The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hey everybody! Welcome into our show for Tuesday, and we—I uh, got to apologize for the technical issues yesterday. Uh, but by the second half, we got everything figured out and um, rolled through with Freddie. So, if you want to uh, listen to that strong second half performance with Freddie Maggard of the Monday Morning Quarterback Show, you can go to the podcast at uh, TomLeachKY.com or. Uh, our, um, I guess, on the iHeart app or on uh, our stations in uh, Lexington, WLAP, and Louisville, WKJK, to find the podcasts and uh, catch up on thoughts on the game from yesterday. Coming up today, we'll talk with Larry Vaught. Uh, Van Hiles will join us. He does those really insightful breakdowns of the games, cut-ups of different plays, and he'll analyze them and if you are a, uh, a football fan who wants to understand more about the game, definitely uh, follow vstyle17 on Twitter, and you'll see those uh, cut-ups after every game and some of the other things that Van does. You get a lot of um, insight there. And then Maggie Davis from BBN Tonight. She was part of the Big Blue Madness coverage. So we'll talk UK uh, football and basketball with Maggie. And that's our guest lineup for today. Wildcat News of the Day presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. Mark Stoops uh, didn't do a news conference yesterday because it's a, a bye week, but he did do the radio show. So they're going to spend a lot of time this week on a kind of self-scouting, looking at the things that uh, they do well or sets they run well, run things well out of, and then what's not working as well, and it'll kind of impact what uh, goes goes in and what comes out of their uh, playbook moving down the stretch. He talked about the uh, effort that he saw from his team in the win over Mississippi State and how that is what is typical of Kentucky football and what he uh, wants to see that was missing in that South Carolina game. Uh, He said he's hopeful that they'll get both wide receiver Tavian Robinson and offensive tackle Jeremy Flax back for the Tennessee game. That's the the hope after an open date is you get guys uh, healed up Will Levis on that list, uh, certainly he's uh, going to play, but you hope that he is feeling better than he probably was uh, the day after that Kentucky-Mississippi State game. Um, so we'll get uh, more updates. I think Stoops does the SEC teleconference on Wednesday, if there's anything more. Probably a bunch of news coming out of football this week. Uh, UK men's basketball, number four in the preseason Associated Press poll behind North Carolina, Gonzaga, and Houston. Baylor and Kansas are tied for fifth. Duke is seven, UCLA eight, Creighton nine, Arkansas ten. So Kentucky is going to play three of those top ten teams in non-conference, Gonzaga, Kansas, and UCLA, and then uh, throw in Arkansas. So four of the top ten in Arkansas is twice. So five top ten matchups or five matchups against preseason top ten for the Wildcats uh, going into the season. Kentucky-Tennessee a week from Saturday has been picked for a 7 o'clock Eastern time kickoff, and the game will be on ESPN. 
So a night game at Nayland Stadium for Kentucky and the Vols. Uh, DeAndre Square, named co-defensive player of the week in the SEC. He had the uh, game-clinching interception and is closing in. I don't know exactly what the number is. It's probably fewer than five tackles that he needs to join the 300-tackle club. I think I'm right. Danny Trevathan was the last Kentucky player to do that. Danny was uh, actually at the game on Saturday. Um, And so I think it's it's not a a long list of guys in the 300-tackle club. So that'll be a nice honor for DeAndre Square when it does happen. From the NFL, Randall Cobb out several weeks, but the injury is not season-ending. And it looked like that might be the case on Sunday when Randall was injured in the Packers' loss <clears throat> to the New York Jets. But he uh, apparently was not injured as uh, seriously as was first thought, and he'll get back at some point for the Packers, who find themselves suddenly in a uh, struggle mode. And one of our uh, clients here on the, the Leach Report uh, is the Kentucky Blood Center, in Lexington and in in Louisville. They do blood drives around the state. And they need you guys, and they need all of us, to to step up uh, right now and help them out because uh, blood supplies are low. So if you can work that into your schedule this week, please do that. We are heading to a break. When we come back, Larry Vaught joins the program. Our Wildcat News of the Day is presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. And if you are looking for a place to celebrate a special occasion, there's no place better than Giuseppe's after Keeneland, before or after a U.K. game, birthday, anniversary, whatever special occasion it is. Live jazz music in the lounge every night if you sit there. They have a climate-controlled patio when it's a little cooler. That feels nice. Wonderful dining experience, underlying experience at Giuseppe's Electric. Heading to a break. Larry Vaughn joins us when we come back. top of the hour we encourage you to check out the bud light leach report page at dumbleachky.com for uh, links to the stories we talk about in our opening segment each day joined now by larry vaught from yoursportsedge.com and vaughtsofviews.com and as i left our broadcast booth at halftime on saturday i look across and i see larry vaught standing there at the elevator we had just a brief chat, Larry. You didn't seem overly optimistic at that point, I will say. No, I was uh, kind of thinking back to what had happened in the second half a week before and thinking, ah, let's, let's sure hope not and things just hadn't kind of got cranked up. And then when Will went running off the field, certainly had very, very little <laughs> optimism. But uh, Superman came charging back out. Defense held just like what it normally does. And... Kentucky responded to a pick six in a big-time way and got a really, really good win. Here's an obscure stat because uh, that similar kind of scenario played out when uh, Kentucky beat Tennessee a few years ago with Steven Johnson. So in the Mark Stoops era, when the quarterback goes to the locker room during the game and comes back, they win. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe go ahead and pass that on and just get it done early in the first quarter down at Tennessee (laughs) next week, and maybe that'll be the key to – getting a big win but then again after it snows in october i figure anything's possible from now on well there you go it's true uh this was uh, pretty close to a to a must win in terms of 
you know, being able to accomplish some of the things they want to accomplish this season, right? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, if if, if that game got away from you, I mean, you've got to think maybe seven and five was the maximum of what you were looking at. Now you get some confidence, you get a bye week, and so let's let's see what happens. You got to think if you go back and can find if you can finally ever get a healthy lineup on the field at one time and get all your playmakers on offense out there together, it'd be really fun to see what this offense could do. But it just seems like every week they've had one or two key guys missing, and hopefully the bye week will help uh, solve some of those issues. At this point, uh, winning the East, is, uh, which was these, the goal of these guys when the season started, is a long shot. Uh, even if you were to beat Tennessee and Georgia, you'd need, you'd need help somewhere. And uh, you know, looking at those teams, the schedules for those teams, it uh, wouldn't look favorable. But uh, there are still great things that could be you know, accomplished. You could get to a you know, New Year's Six Bowl. And in the list of all of that, uh, would uh, maybe the the second best thing to winning the East for Kentucky fans? Do you think it would be knocking Tennessee from the ranks of the unbeaten in Knoxville? Yeah, I, 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 well, actually, I think either way, Tom, if you could knock Tennessee from undefeated, or if you beat Georgia at home, if, if they have beat Tennessee, I think either one would be pretty satisfying. I mean, both would be pretty sweet indeed, but I think. I don't think you'd find any UK fan that would complain over e- either one of those scenarios, and 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 now you got to think in the minds of the UK football players and staff that they got to believe one or both of those are are very possible because I, I don't think they have lost belief even with some of the things they've had happen to them. And again, I think if they could just get everybody on offense on the field at the same time and let's see what this team that we thought they were going to have would look like, maybe we'll be surprised. And they did score what. 42 points against Tennessee last year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no reason to think that maybe they won't be able to score against Tennessee. They're just going to show they can stop them. So, I'm with Larry Vaught from YourSportsEdge.com and Vaught'sViews.com. And uh, Mark Stoops has uh, talked repeatedly in media opportunities in the wake of the win Saturday about the support and how important it was from the Kentucky fans. And you wrote about it uh, this week uh, and, you know, the impact on recruits too, right? Yeah, Vince talked about how Vince, Vince Mara talked about how that especially when a player or his parents are there for the first time and see that atmosphere, how they all talk about it and what a big impact that it does have. And they had a lot of folks in again on Saturday, and Vince talked about that it made a big impression on a lot of them. And then the players talk about what an impact it has on them on the field. I mean. I thought Saturday night the crowd was really, really good, Tom. It really loud and loud at the right times. And I think that really helps you on defense. I don't know how much it helps you on offense, but I think on defense that kind of crowd noise really makes a big difference because it can kind of inspire you and disrupt the other team at the same time, and that's a really good combination. And that's what the best teams have is a home field edge like that. And I think Kentucky has developed that. And, and pat all those fans on the back, give, give them give them credit for what they did. Now, I don't know if they'd be quite as noisy if they had to play tonight, but, but hopefully by the next time they play. <laughs> It won't be quite this cold at Kroger Field. Uh, yeah, next to uh, will be on the road. So it'll be a little while before they get uh, get back home. But um, you know, they go to Tennessee a week from Saturday. The Vols have I think, Tennessee Martin 
this week, so they're not in any danger. But uh, it's going to you know this rivalry that uh, you know Tennessee dominated for so long. Now Kentucky's put some life back in it with wins in in recent years, including one in Knoxville uh, two years ago, the last time Kentucky went there. Uh, but you know when you and I were were coming up, uh, there, this was the uh, the big. Game. You didn't have the Kentucky-Louisville game. This was uh, the one, and it was uh, fairly competitive in the 70s. Yeah, it, it was, and this was the, the game I think that every Kentucky fan circled on the schedule was this one. It wasn't Georgia or anybody else. It was that Kentucky-Tennessee game. And th- this year I think that's certainly going to be the case again for, for for Kentucky, I mean, they, this is a game that they could really go back and and make a statement with, and and maybe it sets up kind of good for for them still because yeah, Tennessee's got uh, a, a, I would think a gimme game this week, but then the week after they play Kentucky, they play Georgia for mm-hmm. what should be the SEC Eastern Division Championship, and no matter how much coaches tell guys not to look ahead or not to look forward or not to take a win for granted, I think. 18, 19, and 20-year-olds sometimes do that. So let's just hope that maybe Tennessee has as much trouble handling prosperity as what Kentucky football has had at times. So with Georgia looming after Tennessee plays Kentucky, maybe there's just a chance they'll overlook Kentucky a little bit. Cycling back to what we were talking about with fan impact on recruits, uh, on uh, Larry and Anthony White, Jack Pilgrim are on the Sunday morning sports talk show here in Lexington. You guys had Vince Merrill on the show this past Sunday, and uh, he had some encouraging things to say without mentioning uh, Lacey's name about the uh, defensive lineman from Warren Central who's looking to transfer from Notre Dame. Oh, I think that's who he's talking about. I was trying to figure it out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Vince has a way for with words about that they had a guy that was in the transfer portal, a pretty important recruit on campus and everything. Yes, I'm so, inferring that. Nothing Vince said. I'm just, uh, but I, I'm guessing yeah. I'm right. I'm thinking you agree with me. Uh, I, I like I like your chances of being right, but yeah, he was such a terrific player in high school and somebody they really, really wanted and has played. I think. 50, about 50 games at Notre Dame, so certainly would bring a ton of experience to the to the team. And you could never have too many experienced defensive linemen. They're going to lose a couple this year, and he would be a big, big pickup for a lot of reasons. I mean, he, he wouldn't factor into your recruiting class, but he would sure be a guy if you could get on campus. Sure helps your incoming class for next year. That's going to they're going somebody's going to need to come up with a uh, a new kind of recruiting ranking because with the transfer portal it needs to factor in both incoming recruits and incoming transfers in terms of you know who had the best class. Yeah, that's exactly right because any more things have changed so much from how they used to be. Now the transfer portal is it's just such a a godsend for a lot of programs. You just can go out and and kind of handpick who you need at a certain position that has experience and bring them in. I mean, even this year, even as good as Dane Key and Barry and Brown have been, getting Tavion Robinson out of that transfer portal, I think, kind of solidified and hopefully, I think, has made them be able to be better because he's here with them. So Mark Stoops and Vince have done a terrific job with the transfer portal of picking guys that have come in and been really good players and I think really good teammates to others and I think there's a knack to that 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 always work but it's been working really really well for them and, and John Calipari's done a good job with that too and I've got a feeling it's maybe not as easy as what we think but they've made it work very very well 
You read Larry Vaught at YourSportsEdge.com and Vaughtsviews.com and hear him here on Tuesdays. Thank you, Larry. All right, Tom. Heading to a break. Van Hiles will join us when we come back from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. Return, refresh, and refuel. And download their app to get the monthly specials for October. Twenty-seven past the top of the hour. We welcome a former Wildcat, former NFL DB Van Hiles, into the program at V Style Seventeen for a great follow on Twitter to uh, get the the breakdown of each Kentucky game and some of the key plays. And Van, before we get into some specific plays, just a big picture: what impressed you most about what you saw from your alma mater on Saturday night? Uh, wow, being in the stadium was. Amazing. It was probably one of the best home games I've been to in a while. The The fans were outstanding. The second thing is, to me, is Rashad Lewis. He played amazing, even with the fumble, because the fumble was him trying to do more. And him replacing to, um, Robinson was, was more than I expected. And that kid played great. Defense finally came back after having a bad second half and play lights out for an entire game like they played against Florida and Ole Miss. And that's how we got to play in the SEC. And, uh, and Will, I mean, the Warrior and Will is, is just amazing. And, of course, C-Rod. So this was probably the closest complete game that we have had. And it's not even close to a real complete game, but it's the closest thing we've had all year. And that's why we beat a team that a lot of teams felt was an up-and-coming team this year by 10 points. Should have been more than that. Yeah, you make a great point about Rasan Lewis, too, because you know, a, a transfer walk-on when he came in here and just has to go through a, you know practice after practice knowing he's not going to play for a long time, finally gets his shot, and he'd earned enough trust from the coaches that they went back to him even after he fumbled. Exactly, and Will went back to him. I mean, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know what his final stat line was, but he had a touchdown. He had some big drive, continuing catches, and and he played just well. He he belonged, and that's something that a lot of walk-ons have problem with is belonging. And he was fine in that situation, and it's obvious that he belonged where he he was on that field. Talking to Van Hiles, we'll continue when we come right back on the Leach Report. It's literally so much fun to watch. I mean, to have that point of view, just to see him get into the second level and um, flat out making guys look silly, like it's 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 so cool. And um, I mean, I'm I'm taught not to look back after I hand off the ball. Sometimes it's hard not to though when when, he, when he's when he's working the way he is. Shout out to him and the offensive line. They got the game ball tonight, uh, deservedly so. And uh, it's great to have Chris back working like he is. Will Levis after the game Saturday talking about watching. Chris Rodriguez run the football, went for over 3,000 yards in his career. Uh, Van Hiles with us. Uh, it's at vstyle17 on Twitter. And um, we um, are looking back first for right now at the Kentucky-Mississippi State win. Um, Rodriguez, I mean, you, you played not only here but uh, at the next level, Van. So uh, I know Rich Gangarello is very high on Rodriguez as an NFL prospect. Uh, what – 
do you see that is most impressive of, about him as a runner beyond just what the average fan could could see? Well, I think the most impressive thing about C-Rod is what the fans see. It's his ability to make make something out of nothing. He is not going to ever fall backwards. I have never seen him in his four years here ever get pushed back unless by one guy. Now, if you get a group of guys, they can push him back. But typically, he falls forward. And that's the, the great thing about him is instead of being in second and eight or second and seven, we're in second and five. Second and five is a great down for offense and not a great down for a defense. And the thing that I've seen a little bit from at the tail end of last year and when he came back is his ability to jump cut, which he didn't show his first two years. And that's something that is an NFL-level move. And if he can do that and if he can run a fast 40 time, he is going to move up the board extremely fast because he's doable. He's produced in the best conference in the country, and he will give you tough yards. Uh, so that's the thing to me as an NFL evaluator. If he runs a low 4-5 or breaks 4-5, he's probably the best back in the country. Um, so for me, looking at him, his vision is good, but his ability to just fall forward is just so underrated. Let's talk about the quarterback now um, and uh, some of the throws Will Levis made in this game. One of them we're going to talk about is the the fourth and three touchdown throw to uh, Lewis, who we were talking about earlier. Uh, first thing was uh, Mark Stoops last night on the radio show said he came very close to calling timeout right before that play because they didn't get the look they were expecting on defense. But, and again, this is kind of Stoops and, and the gut instinct sometimes. The fourth down play, I mean, you, you it's six to three, remember, at that point. You've, uh, yeah. and, uh, or I guess, uh, six, uh, 10 to six Mississippi State, I think. 10 to six. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but Kentucky had come out in the second half, only gotten a field goal out of a nice drive. So you risk, you know, getting nothing and staying down 10 to six, which could be deflating. It's fourth and three, and he comes very close to calling a timeout, but he said he trusted Levis. And, I didn't fully appreciate it in real time until I watched uh, the tape. It may have been on one of your clips. There's like four white jerseys standing around in, in different spots in that end zone, and Lewis kind of cuts through on a on a slant. There couldn't have been much of a of a window there to hit him, right? No, it wasn't a big window, but there was a window. <laughs> there was that's a, there wasn't sheet wall there. It was definitely a window, and. The thing about it is the thing that Will has improved on this year a lot is just timing of routes. Last year, he was waiting for a guy to get open. Now he's throwing guys open more than he did last year. And he threw Richard open as well as Dane creating that, that little window that he had. That route concept was really, really good. And that created that window. And I think when Will saw the linebacker expand with, with Dane Key, he knew that there was going to be a window there. And he just trusted himself, and he trusted that this guy whom he has not thrown to a lot this year. That, to me, is the amazing part more than the window is to trust that Lewis is going to be there where he's supposed to be is the most amazing part to me. Because if you don't have a rapport with a guy, are you sure that he's going to be in the spot that you want him to be? And he was, and he was rewarded with a touchdown. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, tell me about the growth you're seeing uh, in the uh, on the offensive side and what it could look like in the – 
second half of the season after this break. Yeah, it's 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 interesting that this game we went a little more with gap, pin and pulls, and not so much wide zone. I think this offensive line is more efficient, more effective when they're firing off the ball and not running more horizontal like you would have to do in the wide zone. I think we are starting to figure that out. It's kind of interesting that we have – Skagorella has figured that out about the same time that Liam Cohen figured that out last year. If you remember, we went away from wide zone and started going more inside gap scheme around this point. And I think the coaches are realizing that this is the best for this team right now, and this is the this is the best option for our O-line. And I think they have figured that out, and that's why we had a better game against Mississippi State. And I think that's going to – carry over to Tennessee because Tennessee's yard per attempt on defense isn't very good. I think we can exploit them the same way we exploited Mississippi State this weekend. I was just going to say let's shift to Tennessee now. Uh, very impressive win, obviously, over uh, Alabama. And so they're sitting there cruising along. It's uh, undefeated, I think, 7-0, and uh, they'll add another one this weekend. So they're going to be almost assuredly undefeated when Kentucky rolls in there on the 29th. Uh, what, what what kind of script would need to play out for Kentucky to knock off the Vols? We would have to hold Tennessee to under 17 points in the first quarter. If we can do that, it's going to be a really, really good game. I mean, if you remember last year, I think they scored 21 in the first quarter. They only scored 17 on the defense the rest of the way. If we can take that first punch because – there's no way our scout team can replicate their pace and their scheme. If we can hold the water for a first quarter and hold them to 10 points would be great. I think it is in our bag. But if they score 21 or more, that's when it becomes a problem. Cycling back to what we were just talking about with the, the run game, that's obviously could play a, a big part in doing what you're talking about because, you know, you have a seven, eight-minute Rodriguez heavy drive in that first quarter can uh, contribute greatly to hitting that mark. Exactly. And and if the defense can minimize the plays for Tennessee, if we can limit Tennessee to a three and out, and then our offense goes 12 plays, and then we can limit them to five plays on the next drive. And then offense goes another 12 plays. That defense has been out there 24 plays. And the, the offense has only been out there, let's say, eight. That would be the benefit if the defense can get off the field like they did this week. Uh, I think Mississippi State was like three for 12 on third down. If we can do that to Tennessee, that will set us up beautifully in the second half because then we're going to wear that defense down. So one of your tweets at V-Style 17, I think, uh, referenced something to the effect that, to the effect of you think Kentucky's defensive plan will be different from the way Alabama played Tennessee, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we're not going to put our DBs on islands. And – when Tennessee spreads you out so much horizontally, they use every blade of grass from, from sideline to sideline. So then you put your safeties in positions where they're not accustomed to playing just man-to-man with no help on the top. And we're not going to do that. And we're going to force them to snap the ball as many times as they have to to score. Um, last year, we, we got into a bye. We gave them a couple touchdowns off of one or two plays early. But then after that, we made them snap the ball. And that's why we were successful after the first quarter. And we're successful because we play a little more zone defense, a little more umbrella defense. So we're, we're not going to give up the big play. We're not going to have high 
run, go for what seven catches, two hundred seven yards or something. That's not going to happen against us because we're not going to give up the big play consistently. Uh, you can uh, follow him on Twitter at vstyles17. You can also uh, hear him uh, the podcast where you find find podcasts with Anthony White, another former cat, and that's the the Locker Four One One. When do you guys post that? Wednesdays, nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All right, and um, they find that just at podcast sites, right? They they YouTube? they can find it on YouTube, YouTube Facebook, also. and or Twitter. It's All a right. video, then we post the podcast audio. So YouTube as well. Van, thank you much. Appreciate it. We're 17 away from the top of the hour. We're going to get to a break. When we come back, Maggie Davis from BBN Tonight. It is The Leach Report, Radio Network. Day. Uh, we appreciate Van Hiles joining us, and you can hear more of his insight on Kentucky football on the Big Blue Insider Show here in the Lexington Market with Dick Gabriel. That will be on their show tonight. Uh, so more V-Style 17 there. Uh, right now, we're going to get a dose of Maggie Davis from BBN Tonight here on the show. Uh, Maggie was, among other things, uh, hosting interviews, doing interviews on the pre-show coming into uh big blue madness on friday um what was that like maggie hey tom good to talk to you that was a lot of fun it was a little unexpected that wasn't necessarily something i knew i was going to be doing um when i got to big blue madness but it was of course a fun surprise especially with some of the surprise guests we saw i loved seeing those former uk basketball players come in now nba guys you know, getting to catch up with Kevin Knox and Nick Richards and Hamadou Diallo was awesome. And the excitement of the women's basketball team, especially those returners who got to show off the rings that they had just gotten that day um, from winning the SEC tournament was a lot of fun. And then, of course, this year's men's team as well. That is such a big, like, fashion event for those guys, which I think is so funny. Um, and they had a lot of fun with it. So really good experience uh, from my side of things and all of those interviews, like you said, uh, we got on camera, don't worry. So you'll be able to see all of that on our hour-long special coming up this Saturday. It's called BB and Game Day After the Madness, and it's sort of our behind-the-scenes look into all of the sort of extra stuff we got from Big Blue Madness that the average fan at home wouldn't have been able to see, either inside Rep Arena or on the SEC Network's broadcast. So that's coming up this Saturday um, at 9.30 on LAX 18. What uh, are your initial takeaways about this team from the interaction you've had with them, this basketball team? Well, on the court, I think sort of what we've seen is a little similar to last year's team in that they want to play fast. They have a lot of options. I think the scoring options are maybe even a little bit greater um, with what we're going to get out of Antonio Reeves, the return of CJ Frederick, obviously Kaysen Wallace looks like a guy who can create his own shot, much like Ty Ty Washington was able to do, but some of the guys around him maybe will give him better opportunities to do that. Um, and then off the court, because I think that's a big part of what fans are interested in, especially this time of the year, right, before we get into the SEC play and those sort of big marquee games, you just want to know what are these guys like? Are we going to enjoy watching them and getting to know them as well? And I've been really fortunate to be able to do that. We're working on a couple of projects that we've been teasing a lot, but I promise they're coming your way soon. I actually start next Monday on BBN Tonight. We have a really awesome series with this team starting um, on our show BBN tonight. So th that'll give fans their first sort of early look into the personality of these guys. 
Um, and they're so much fun. I think everybody knows Oscar by now, right? And he is just, he sets the bar so high because he's likable. He's awesome. He's great with the fans. And of course he's great on the basketball court too. Right. But there are a lot of other guys on this team. I think the fan base is going to really like uh, personality wise as well. Antonio Reeves is someone who's a lot of fun. Cason Wallace is a good time. Um, all, all these guys really, I talked to Chris Livingston um, a little bit recently and it's interesting to me because we've talked a lot and I'm sure you've had this thought, you know, about Kenneth Horsey on the football team. Anytime you hear him on the radio, on TV, post game, anything, I know his post game with Dick Gabriel sort of went viral on Twitter yesterday because he was a lot of fun on that. But Kenneth is very insightful. He's very mature. He's wise, but he's very like thoughtful in how he presents his answers. He respects the fans a lot. And I think he, he wants to represent this program well. And it's interesting to me because he's so different on paper, obviously, than Chris Livingston. But when you have a conversation with Chris, he really gives off that same sort of persona. So I think fans are going to like getting to know him as well. Both he and, and Wallace carry themselves older than the typical freshman to me, it seems. Do you agree? I definitely think so. And I thought a lot about that because I think I, I sort of got that feeling last year from Ty Ty Washington because he was so confident, so outgoing, and sort of that level of doesn't seem like a freshman. And to me, Casey Wallace sort of fits into that category. And then this sort of like, quiet confidence is sort of what I see out of Chris Livingston, which reminds me, like I said, totally different person, player, et cetera, um, but reminds me of Kenneth Horsey in a lot of ways. So I, I definitely agree with you on that point. Talking with Maggie Davis from the BBN Tonight show and BBN Game Day, uh, BBN Tonight, 730 uh, each night on LAX 18 here in Lexington and then BBN Game Day on Saturday mornings all around the state. And um, let's get back to uh, football for uh, a second and what were your takeaways what impressed you most about what Kentucky accomplished last Saturday night well I always try to hesitate to use the phrase must win game uh, because I think it's easy to overuse something like that but when you look at what Kentucky's done so far this season especially with the expectations that were set uh, in the preseason this year those disappointing losses early in the season, what's still left ahead of them on the schedule. I do think this was a must-win game for Kentucky. And so for them to come out in the way that they did, I think was very meaningful and, and very significant in terms of the expectations and, and just the interest and excitement for the rest of the season, especially now with this bye week and then this huge Tennessee game coming off of the game that they're coming off of, obviously with the big win over Alabama. So you know, I was happy with the performance. The beginning, of course, it was a little rough. All the penalties I thought were the fan base's head was going to explode, at least, you know, where I was sitting. In the press box, people were going nuts. Online, people were going crazy. Um, but talking with Will Levis after the game, I thought was so interesting because the word or the phrase, I guess, he kept using and what he said was his message to his guys all week was he wanted to see controlled aggression. And I thought that was such a unique way of putting it. I don't know if he came up with that, if he read it somewhere, I'm not sure. But he said that's really what he asked his guys to bring to the table on Saturday. And I think we saw that. Of course, he even joked, you know, it wasn't all the way controlled. Okay, the penalties got a little out of control at the beginning. But they were able to rein it in and sort of, you know, transform that into a really aggressive second half where they were able to put the game out of reach. You know, some, some mistakes toward the end, talking specifically about that interception, but even the way they were able to respond from that, I really liked seeing Kentucky's response to so many different sort of adversities throughout the game, whether it was those early penalties, whether it was Will Levis leaving 
the game and having to go to the locker room and the uncertainty surrounding that and just to be able to respond uh, to all of that in a way and still come out with a win I thought was really gritty and showed a lot of just their sort of relentless spirit that Mark Stoops has built this program upon and so I thought that was a really important win and also a good representation of the kind of team this group can be. Uh, and I, I think they'll come back strong after the open day. Doesn't always happen. Last year they had a uh, a deflating loss to Georgia, whether most people mm-hmm. thought they had a chance, they thought they had a chance. And so even though they got you know rested up and all of those phrases, uh, they <laughs> flattened down at Mississippi State. I think it's just the opposite this time. In that now they come off uh, a very in, instead of a deflating loss, an inspiring victory. And uh, I think then they, you know, being, you know, having fresher legs and then going down as a significant underdog, whether they win or not, I think the circumstances are going to be set up for Kentucky to have its best shot. Definitely. And I think obviously that being a night game down in Knoxville is going to make the environment one where it's impossible to sleepwalk through that game, right? I mean, everybody saw what Knoxville looked like last week. I don't know if it'll be exactly the same level because it's it's not an Alabama game. And, of course, that sort of draws its own set of circumstances. But you are coming off a win over Alabama. So it, it could be exactly the same, even crazier. There are going to be new goalposts, obviously. Uh, so that's a big deal. <laughs> but I, I do think it's not a game where these guys are going to be able to go into it with an attitude other than we have to be ready to go for this one. And I think especially since they sort of already had a game where they weren't in that mindset, talking, of course, about the South Carolina game, it's it's unlikely to me that we see that twice in one season. We, we're used to seeing it once. I think often it has come out of the bye week, but I think this season, the way things have played out so far, I really do think that game was the South Carolina game. These guys recognize that. They've all talked about it. They've all admitted we were not right mentally going into that game. It translated onto the field. You could feel it on the sidelines. And I think because of that recognition, it's not a feeling or even a mentality that we're going to see repeated this year. Like you said, whether or not they win is a different question, but I think just the attitude part of it is an important distinction here. At Maggie Davis TV on Twitter. Thanks, Maggie. Thank you. We'll close out this edition of the Leach Report in just a moment. Mushroom slice of Wildcat history of the state 2008. Kentucky rallied for a 21-20 win over Arkansas at Kroger Field. Two TDs to Randall Cobb in the final five minutes of that game from Mike Hartline. Uh, a lot of fans had left. Rich Brooks kind of chastised them uh, joking, or not jokingly, but uh, with a little bit of a smile for uh, uh, bailing out on the Cats before the big comeback. But uh, what Thanks a, uh, for what listening a rally. to that the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to LeachReport at gmail.com. See you next time right here on the Leach Report Radio Network.